Players Pick Podcast, Picks and Perspective with Chris Johnson. All right, Tim Miller. <laughs> a little bit of uh, technical difficulties, but we're back and we're 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 really doing this this time. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Players Pick Podcast. Uh, it's great to have you on. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, we'll just start organically. Uh, you know, we started a different way last time, but um, I guess uh, really the 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 thing is, like uh, I was saying a little bit before, is that. Um, I'm still really new to uh, to your playing and to your uh, to your whole vibe, just because like it was everybody around me that kind of cued me in. It was like I had uh, all the guys and, and animals as leaders and Pliny and all these people that were all just kind of like dropping the Tim Miller, yo Tim Miller, check him out. Like and I'm like, oh okay, all right, yeah sure. And then it was like uh, it was the, at the Kiesel thing when I was with Jeff, and he's like, yo Tim Miller is the guy. Like the you know we had Alan Holdsworth, and that's like legendary, but the guy that's kind of one of the guys that's like really got the, the 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 torch for the new generation for this really cool style of jazz is Tim Miller. And I was like, okay, okay. So now I've been listening to the Tim Miller Trio uh, albums, and I'm loving it. I'm loving what I'm, what I think is I'm loving even more uh, than is uh, that I wasn't expecting it to be as accessible. I feel like you still play this really cool outside, very interesting, continuously melodic form, but I feel like somehow it's more accessible to me than like, I don't have to say that it's better or whatever than, than Alan Holdsworth, but like to me, I'm, I'm enjoying it on that level. Cool. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I think it's, um, I mean, you mentioned Alan. Uh, he's, he's definitely a, a, one of my heroes and a, a big influence, but it, there's, there are, since there are so many different influences and so many things that kind of come into my playing, it's going to definitely have a different vibe than that, you know. Um, but he, he was definitely a, a huge, a huge inspiration. What a, what a great great musician and one of my all-time favorites well i think what's interesting to me what i what the way i if way i would try to describe like a holdsworthian sound anyway like to somebody else like uh it would be uh if you learn all the things and then you know all the things uh kind of simultaneously that it kind of comes out in this really like other language and i feel like what is most of the greatest players that I end up really loving, especially in jazz world, they have so many great influences and they, they conglomerate uh, in, in their particular uh, view and vision of the world uh, musically. And uh, so it's kind of like a high, it's just such a high level of expression that I think that that's why it's easy to get, you know, um, associated with somebody like Alan, obviously, because you guys both have studied to a point where it's a high level of expression that's um, feels like a different language at times. Yeah, he, he was really something. I, he was, you know, he was really helpful to me too with, with, um, cause I got to know him quite, quite well, actually. And, um, 
he was incredibly supportive and um, in, in some ways kind of really helped my, my career uh, back, mm. back in about 2008 um, because I was, I was uh, you know, the, the guy who mixed uh, my records, my three trio records is Steve Hunt, who, who actually played in Alan's band for, for many years. He's on, he's on Secrets and Ward and Clive Tower and many of the different, the different albums. And so, of course, I knew Steve really well. He also teaches at Berkeley and, and Steve introduced me to Alan actually at one of the gigs in Boston. And, you know, Steve just said, you know, Alan, you should check this out, this CD. And so I gave Alan a CD and he, he called me one day and we were talking and became friends. And um, I'm so thankful to him because uh, in 2008, actually, he was on the cover of Guitar Player magazine. And um, he, he just mentioned me in the, in the magazine. That was back when people read magazines, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Uh, that you just can't imagine how much that kind of helped things with my career so i've always been extremely grateful for that because he, i'm not going to say he put me on the map but he really really helped uh, because after that everything kind of changed you know uh started selling more records and more gigs and just this this thing started happening a lot more and it's just i was always grateful to him for the support and a lot of guidance and you know spent a lot of time talking to him on the phone and trading gear and just uh, definitely a really cool, cool relationship that, that happened there. That's so awesome to hear. And I, I think that anytime uh, a student, so to speak, uh, has a mentor, even if you don't know them in, in the early stages of being feeling like you're mentored by them, yeah. just by, by the, by their artwork, by their, yeah. what they do, and then to wake up one day and get that phone call, yeah and get the nod you're like okay this is a real thing like i knew it was a real thing but now <laughs> it's like a real thing real thing yeah it was really exciting to to have a relationship with someone that you admire you know so much you know and he was quite a bit older than me so definitely there's this so much knowledge and wisdom there so when you're talking to someone like that you know i was just taking it all in you know just learning you know what i mean <laughs> mm -hmm. definitely um, and we were supposed to, uh, uh, you know, I, I miss him so much. Um, he, he had asked me to play on his last record. He composed this, this piece for two guitars. And um, he was playing me some of it over the phone because he liked to play stuff over the phone, you know, like in his studio, he would hold the, hold the phone up to the speakers. And uh, so he was playing some of it for, for me. And it was unbelievable because he was talking about how he composed these chord voicings that were meant for two guitar players to play. And so he wanted me to play half of it and he was going to play half of it and they were both going to improvise over it. And so we, we were kind of talking about that. It never happened, of course, but uh, mm. uh, uh, that was... Um, that was really something having those conversations with him. So yeah, Alan, man, just, uh, wow. I could just go on and on. That's so cool. Well, I, I, I mean, I can only imagine what that feels like. And, uh, to think, to, to think that the world, you know, didn't get a chance to, to hear you guys on the same track, you know, mm -hmm. uh, especially with him, with him being the one coming to you and saying, Hey, but, uh, but you know, that's that's like just getting the nod alone and, and having that story to tell. Yeah, yeah, he was a he was a really beautiful guy. I mean, just uh, wow, 
yeah, I, I mean, so many, so many interesting things about him and his uh, artistry and his kindness and interesting personality. And wow, mm. so cool, so cool. Beautiful. Well, <laughs> I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, uh, sharing some story about him and and yeah. um, not. Uh, being too bummed about uh, comparisons or, you know, uh, anything like that? Cause Not at all, because, I mean, I, I look at it like this. Um, you know, uh, you, have a, you have this kind of lineage of musicians and the older musicians inform the new musicians. I mean, you know, um, one of my favorite saxophone players was always Michael Brecker. And if you listen to Michael Brecker records, you, of course, you're going to hear some John Coltrane and Joe Henderson and all the different influences. And then Michael, you know, took those influences and, and went somewhere else with it, you know, and did his own thing. But, you know, the mentors are still there. So for me, I don't mind talking about Alan at all. I love Alan and I, I'll talk about him for hours if you want to, you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, just oh, just so much depth there. But, um, you know, a guy like that, you know, he, he changes things and then he, you know, uh, helps the next generation uh, uh, with uh, kind of pushing the, the instrument forward. And then he kind of like shows us, okay, everybody, this is what can be done, you know. This is what can happen with the guitar. That's what he did. He expanded so much. And so now this, our generation, we can take that and just get inspiration from it and love it, you know, and cherish it and try to have our own voices and our own way of expressing music. But um, to, to, uh, to say that it didn't happen or anything like that would be totally crazy in my opinion. I love to sort of, talk about these people because they deserve it and they deserve the recognition and the credit you know i really think they deserve the credit 100 percent. i i appreciate that you appreciate the teacher i mean you're a teacher yourself so yeah so i think that there's uh there's probably a, a real um you know sensitivity to it too and because you've become somebody that then now mentors a lot of others yeah right and yeah. in that process i think we we find like I just know for myself uh, as uh, I'm on the side, I'm a yoga teacher, right? That's kind of one of the ways that I, I embody the teacher role and uh, in, and having such devout like love for the people that have have like helped light my fire. Like my spark was there, but it's like then you go to somebody and you you hear them, you hear them explain something intricate in a different way. Uh, even though you've heard people explain this thing a bunch of times and then but it takes this person's voice with their timber and their pacing and all of a sudden you get it you're like oh i these things connect and um and that resonance that happens i uh that ha you know it's it's such a wonderful thing to be in gratitude and to to honor those that have come before us and that, that paved the way especially innovators that where they you can very clearly see before alan holdsworth like this sound didn't exist in the way that it does now right absolutely absolutely and he we uh, and he deserves credit for that and, and I, I i think most players in my generation recognize that and 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 cherish it really and and it would for me it's like we have to recognize that and talk about it and 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 uh you know give it all of its its credit man you know <laughs> sure 
Well, for you though, uh, like your, where does your, I like uh, to kind of take us back and, and, and trace out your journey a little bit mm-hmm. around. And I, I like to do it through guitar picks uh, a little yeah. bit. So, um, you know, in the, in the, the concept of like, um, maybe you can walk us through a little bit like uh, of where you started as a guitar player uh, through your first guitar picks or first couple of guitar picks. Like where did your relationship begin? So like, let us know, like maybe a little bit when you started playing, maybe who started mentoring you in the beginning and uh, what picks are you playing now? Was there any evolution through the years? You know? Yeah. um, I think I started on the uh, probably like a Fender medium. Um, And the reason for that was uh, Eddie Van Halen was my first main influence on guitar when I was 10. Um, because that was right around, you know, 1984, 1983, you know, right when Eddie was just, you know, completely on fire, you know, and he was, he was, you know, he was the the main, the main guy that everybody listened to at that time. He was my biggest hero. And I had read somewhere that he was using like either thin or medium. And so I said, well, can I have the kind of picks, you know, that, that, that Eddie Van Halen, you know, that's how it works when you're 10, you know, totally. you know, and so I, I was using like Fender mediums. Um, I even got white ones, you know, because Eddie had the white ones, you know, yep. and that's just fun, you know, when you're 10. And so I think I got used to the medium and the regular, the regular uh, shape, you know, the, the typical shape. And then a little later, I got into this. I actually have one here. I got into this uh, Gibson pick, which was a little bit rounder. I don't know if you can see these, but I'll hold it up like these things. Oh, yeah. They're like the, they're kind of a large teardrop. And the the reason I like this one um, is that it's a little bit of a fetter end on the pick. And you can get more low end out of the tone with this. Um, Cause I think at the time I was listening to a lot of Pat Metheny and uh, Pat had this uh, uh, kind of a, the, when he would strike the string, there was a ton of low end content to, to, to each note. And it was all about how he was picking. Now he was picking with the, the rounded edge of a, of a reg, regular shaped pick, but somehow I found that this one was getting me a little closer to that type of tone because he was a really huge influence in my playing as well. So um, I went into this one for, for a long time and then Gibson stopped making these. Oh. My favorite pick, they just stopped making it. Um, and then I had to, I started running out and I was like, you know, if I don't learn how to use another pick, I'm just going to be out of picks, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then I, I kind of went through some different things. I tried a jazz three for a while. I was on that for a little bit and I've done, sometimes I use that pick to, to track solos, like a couple solos on my last record trio volume three, we're on a jazz three. I think that track New York, uh, was a jazz three and a couple of other ones. Um, but I've, I've found that the regular Fender Heavy is kind of my my groove with picks. Wow, that's the jam. Yep. Um, and there's something about it's about the tone for me. There's something about the 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 regular celluloid um, with either a medium or or heavy, depending on kind of what's happening. But picks are really important to me because they're the 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 start of the sound it's 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 where your tone starts and i'm 
I'm really into sort of angling the pick and getting different uh, different tonal characteristics out of the note by using the pick. And I found that the Fender Heavy, believe it or not, I've tried so many different picks. Um, this one is gives me a lot of what I need. So you're able to to kind of reposition it a little bit to get different timbers out of it. Yeah. So so when I pick, I I don't usually pick straight on the string. I'll I'll angle it a little bit, and I also kind of pull. It's something I got from Eric Johnson actually, um, uh, where you you go under the string and you pull. Here, I'll just show it to you with a guitar. Sure. If you have a guitar, and um, so when I'm picking, I'm basically going down into the string pretty low, and I'm brushing up. Instead of like picking straight across, I go down in, and I'm at an angle, and I'm pulling up, and I get I can get more low end out of the, the sound that way, mm. and um, it it also affects the attack, the way the note blooms. Um, and this pick somehow works pretty well for me. Also, it sticks to my fingers, you know, like <laughs> somehow this plastic sticks to my fingers and other types of plastic fall out. So sometimes I have a hard time dropping picks and that kind of plastic works for me somehow. Well, that's magic. Yeah. So, so that, that, that technique of going underneath the string and pulling up and kind of at an angle would you say that that kind of softens the attack and allows more blow in because of that? Because you're not using kind of the, the sharper edge necessarily? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, I think it softens the attack because you're kind of brushing the string. You're kind of brushing it. And um, now the, the reason that it adds more low end could be because you're, you're using less of the pointed ed edge i think that could be it because you know when you flip the the pick around and use the the this edge of the pick i think that's you know a much more pronounced low end so yeah i think by doing that it's kind of simulating turning it around in a way uh, sure. if that makes sense but i kind of do both because I, I like to really mess with the, the the timbre of the notes so sometimes i'm playing like this sometimes i'm playing like that you know, I'm doing different things. It's a pretty big deal for me, the, the, the pick thing. Well, that makes sense to me because of uh, the, the, the tonal lineage that you're in with Pat mm -hmm. and yeah, yeah. Alan and, and this, this kind of uh, yeah. genre of player mm -hmm. that, you, that mm -hmm. everybody's really dynamic and uh, very, uh, can be very soft spoken with their, with their instrument. And I, and yes. I hear that in your playing too, where you're able to uh, like, feel like it's very backed off uh but then uh without change seemingly without changing tones or pressing a button on your uh at your you know a foot pedal or something yeah. you're able to kind of ramp it up and take the the tone to a different direction definitely because the for me the the way that you pick a way that a player picks and uses the specific pick that they're using is um a huge percentage of of your your actual you know tone people talk about tone but uh you know i can get varying degrees of high end and low end by how i brush the string and um and how i angle it and it's almost like i can't do it i can't demonstrate it now because we're on this type of thing but um it's all it almost sounds like you're turning the bass up and down uh when I demonstrate this, you can hear more bass and less bass. And then the harder you pick, you can introduce more gain and less gain. And, and, and you know, so 
what I try to do is dial in a dynamic sound on the amp and with my gear. And then a lot of the timbre changes are happening with the pick and how I'm picking it. It's, it's really a big part of my, my playing and style. How you touch the instrument. Such a, such a, uh, it's a, something that I, I didn't really understand early on. And I still think I'm learning about it. Um, for sure because but but the I, i'm so thankful like in this process of my own personal growth as a guitar player uh that i've had the 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 fortunate uh the fortune to be around so many amazing players through my career and being in video um you know sessions and and whatnot and just being at clinics and hanging around at sound at, at sound check and whatnot i started to really recognize like the the difference in how each player touches their instrument right and 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 the pick being uh one of the the ways we engage it obviously our fingers and it are the other but like and and is it soft is it hard is it medium is it a combination and just how how subtle can we get and that what i notice about you and 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 in your playing it, like we're just talking is that it is, uh, you know, and some rock players have it too, uh, but like there's, there's like, you, you notice that uh, most of metal could metal type music, uh, like in, if we just kind of like generalize, it's like everything on 10, like we have the gain is on 10, like, uh, you know, the volume's on 10, like, can we master it at the highest possible level? Can it all just be beating you over the head? <laughs> uh, because that's what, the genre kind of asks for that's yeah. kind of what we've been inspired by but then you see the more refined players within the genre doing subgenre stuff that started incorporating uh different tonalities i remember i think it was like around i felt like it was kind of around the time that uh tosin was kind of making waves in the you know about 10 years ago or whatever mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. where i started going oh wow players are using other pickup positions now like they're not just on the bridge pickup with right. all the hottest gain. There's people are actually using single coils and, and trying to get a different thing uh, to set the, the sonic uh, qualities, you know, apart from each other and not have everything kind of shoved into the same spectrum, you mm -hmm. know? And here we are like with a, in a different genre and, a, and, and, um, and, and, in a, a very guitar centric jazz phenomenon, scenario with you uh where like this whole spectrum of of touch is available and i think it's really i think it's really neat to 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 study a player like you uh in this respect and for younger players because when you when you do study somebody that has a very kind of refined dare i say like zen like touch to the guitar uh you see how you know, the gear, the outboard gear, like uh, the effects and all the stuff is important, but it's almost, it, most of it starts here with you and you can have the cheapest rig, but you could have five different tones just by, you know, learning to use your pick uh, in yeah. a different way, right? Totally. I, I kind of feel like gear, um, so guitars and amps and pedals and effects, um, I think when you're starting out playing are, are not, not very important at all um, in, a, in, in a way. Um, so you go through this process of developing your touch and once the touch is refined, then the gear becomes important. 
and it becomes extremely important because it'll be the thing that either um, you know allows the output of your sound or it does not allow that to happen. So that's always been a thought of mine, you know, like when you're before you've worked on your touch, the gear is all basically going to sound the same. You know, I've seen it many times. You could have a, you know, you could have a great amp and a great guitar and it sounds pretty much the same, you know, because maybe note duration is, hasn't been looked at or dynamics or pick angle or, you know, all these different things with touch. But then once that's developed then suddenly the amp and the pedals and the, you know, the pickups and everything starts to respond to that. Mm. And then they start to show how maybe good they are or, you know, <laughs> or not good or, you know, how, how dynamic an amp is uh, depends on how, you know, how much dynamic information you're actually feeding into it. Right. Right. In my opinion, in my opinion. No, that's that's a great point. I think you know, I think that's really uh, the on it really puts the responsibility and the onus back on the player, right? It does. Um, <laughs> it, it, and it's interesting because I've been in the 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 business of marketing uh, musical gear for over a decade, so like there's always a spin and there's always you know kind of this push to to get players to buy the new gear and um you know nothing wrong with new gear we all i mean we're all we're all gearheads on one level or another like there's something that get, catches us you know maybe it's oh yeah guitars <laughs> or picks or whatever pedals some people are pedal freaks and whatever uh recording but yeah i think that that's maybe the most interesting thing i wish maybe somebody early on i mean not that it wasn't kind of like brought up but like uh it's one of those things where i i didn't quite fully get it maybe i just didn't wasn't supposed to i had to go some some of us have to go through the long way and go try out all this gear and go man i just can't get the sound i'm looking for and then so, all of a sudden you you do a new lesson and somebody goes oh it was it was my technique i wasn't even touching the thing right to be able to try to evoke such uh a sound you know yeah you know i i got the idea um because you know we were talking about you know giving credit earlier. Uh, uh, so I need to give credit to Eric Johnson in a lot of ways because mm. he, he showed a lot of people in terms of a distorted tone and, 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 and maybe like in terms of, you know, like modern rock and potentially fusion players. I think he showed us uh, through that old video called Total Electric Guitar. There was a, there was an instructional video back in the eighties called Total Electric Guitar. And in that video, he's showing all of this stuff about pick angle and the way he's, you know, and I remember I, I studied that video and I watched it over and over again. I would come home from school and I would just like pop that thing. And I probably watched it every day for a year just because I was so into it. it was so, so much fun to watch. But I think watching that so many times, you know, because everybody talks about his tone and his touch. I was like, you know, watching him, I was like, and that's coming from the way that he's actually using the pick on the string. It, it really is. And it kept showing these close-ups. So I think that was kind of my door into this concept was that video and, and Eric, you know, he's really important to me um, musically. I could see that too. And I, I, man, talk about another person with a very distinct voice on the instrument. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, and I, that, that actually kind of leads me to, uh, 
the the thought of like I remember early on playing and hearing certain players, uh, a, a le- much less notable uh, player, but I don't know if, and I don't know if you even know him, but uh, this guy uh, Chris Haskett, he played for the Rollins band with Henry okay. Rollins, yeah, for, like for like the the heyday, the main heyday when when uh, Liar and all that stuff was out on, uh, like he they did like a four or five album thing, but Chris Haskett had like. Uh, it's like you, you hear a, a guitarist and it feels like they have their own set of notes. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's kind of how I feel about Holdsworth. That's how I feel about, um, you know, somebody like Eric Johnson. When I, when I hear them, I'm like, like, and I, I now understand it as uh, in a different way. But early on when I, when I couldn't understand, like, how, how, I mean, I have the same guitar. I have, I have a similar guitar and I have yeah. a similar pick, but I, but I, I just don't know the grouping for them. So like, post having uh the the conceptual the conceptual um uh thoughts around like how to approach and actually physically touch the instrument like in my mind the next thing is like okay well then it's like note group you know once you have a physical prowess of any kind like it's like which notes am i playing or not playing to then kind of say what it is that i I, that i'm feeling Mm -hmm. or attempting to to express right absolutely could you speak a little bit to to that in in your experience like uh how did how did you i know this is a really open (laughs) question like right because i think i think one of the things that when i hear somebody like alan or or yourself or uh pat that it's like the the first thing i'm thinking is like well there's there's a formula there's a somewhat of a formula there like in, in in the sense that uh I, I, I should be able to like do some sort of math and come, come out with that sound. But I know that it's obviously like, there's a, you know, you could give me the, the formula right now and say, here, here's the notes that I'm using over this progression. And then I pick up the guitar and try to play that. And in, unless I'm really cop, copying your touch and your phrase for your melodic phrasing, uh, I'm, I'm going to sound completely different you know completely different so i'm just curious about how you have approached um kind of like cultivating the sound that you have like in in that way the voice the distinct voice you know i think um because we were talking about influences earlier and and those are those are building blocks i think you know those are the things that you hear and you listen to but then there's always this uh other side to things um where those are those are in your playing and 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 they'll always be there but there's something happens i think and you start to have your own ideas i think um you know and they're i think they're unique to your brain and your the way that you you uh hear things inside your head yeah it's unique to you and so I think it's this combination of, okay, I've got my influences, but there's a certain point where you say, okay, that's an, enough of that. You know I mean? I've had enough of that. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I got a lot of things from those players that we already mentioned and there's a lot, lot more. Um, but then there's this thing that kind of 
pulls at you artistically. And it's, it's the sound that you hear, I think, in your head. Um, and I don't know if anybody else has this, but I think they do. When you're walking around, you don't have your guitar, but you're sort of uh, imagining this sound. And sometimes what happens is you start looking around for other artists who are going to satisfy that for you. So you're looking around, you start getting to the point where you're like, I don't want to listen to those players anymore. I want to find some new stuff. And you can't find it. And you're looking around and it's not there. And so what I realized is that the thing that I'm looking for, the player that I'm actually looking for is me. <laughs> That's the big it's, reveal right there. And, you know, I was like, where <laughs> is this guy who's playing these notes that I wish I could listen to? And uh, it, it turns out that that player is actually in your imagination. Mm. And, and that player is informed by your past. You know, he, it's, 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 it couldn't be there without it, like we discussed earlier. But then there's this new stuff that that is you or me or whoever and it can only be accessed by listening to that sound that you hear and trying to basically transcribe what's in in your imagination mm. so i that's that's definitely not a formula formula answer but i i think i think there's a crossover point to where you leave the influences behind hold them in high regard but then you go towards that thing you're looking for that thing that you thought was an, in another player but it actually is yourself and then once that starts happening um you know that's a that's a multi-layered process of of uh, imagining things trying to grab it imagining things and just this it's searching and digging digging really deep until you can start to find the things that you're actually imagining and hearing Hmm. I like that way of describing it, though. I, and, and I, I will say that, like in kind of, uh, I don't know if it's like a it considered new age or yoga speak or whatever, but like that's kind of a, uh, uh, a common thing that uh, you are the one that you've been waiting for, mm -hmm. like so to speak, and you kind of like hit it right there, like the player you're looking for is you, bro. <laughs> it's like you're the one. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that, and, and that's what a, what a wonderful and also scary kind of simultaneous place to be because uh, it's like, oh, well, if nobody's doing it, then I guess I'm all of a sudden responsible. If I want to hear that, I've got to do the work. I've got to sort out like which notes I don't want to play to create that vibe over said chord progression or the overall sound. And, I, and I, I've had that experience multiple times. Uh, and I hadn't ever had anybody say it like you just said it, though. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate uh, putting it in that context. The especially with because uh, it's so it's it's almost like it's easy, so much easier in a way to like just cop a sound. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, and I want to say you know easy is a relative term, right? Because there's plenty of uh, complicated, uh, tough to learn material by other people, right? Sure, sure, sure. But that's, that is a good jump off spot to like, okay, like uh, these sounds are made this way. Great. Uh, and, you, and you see it throughout the world, like players will get proficient. And then it's like, it's like they're constantly trying to recreate 
the sound yeah. of their, their favorite thing. Yeah. And it comes off a little bit disingenuous. Right. Right. There's a big difference between having, um, you know, influences and inspiration and uh, players that inform, you know, your soul and the way that you play. There's a big difference between that and that, than just like learning all of their phrases and playing them back, you know, and, you know, having nothing to, to sort of say of your, you know, of, of your own. So, yeah, there's, there's a big difference there, I think. Uh, speaking though, you mentioned, uh, let's see, uh, you mentioned just a minute ago, like when you're not, when you're not touching your guitar, mm -hmm. right? Like, and you're kind of like, uh, away from it. And, uh, and, and the thing that you kind of want to hear, but you can't, you're searching around, you can't find that person. It made me, made me think to, um, my friend was, uh, my friend Joe, uh, was, I was like, yo, what should I ask Tim? Like, is there something you want, want me to ask him? He's mm -hmm. like, ask us, ask his opinion about effective practice without a guitar in your hand uh he says like i've heard other players talk about um kind of mental practice or like prepar preparatory uh thought processes around like um not even having the guitar in your hand do you have anything that you might be able to say or speak to around that sure um i mean i, I think it depends on whether it um you're trying to learn something or memorize something technical so on in that with that i mean let's say um you know i have a, a gig with my band and we're working on this new tune and it's got a set of chord changes and uh, I, I i'm having a hard time memorizing it so that kind of mental practice can be just trying to you know go over specific things in your head you know, while you're on the train or whatever you're doing, just, you know, technical things like, okay, after this chord comes this chord, you know, memorization type thing. On the creative side, um, it's, it's a little bit different. I think it's, um, for me, it's, it's allowing myself to be relaxed creatively. So going on a walk or, or doing something that allows me to just feel relaxed and, open to creativity just do you know what i mean having having some sort of activity that can open up your 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 brain i don't know if it's getting oxygen into your brain or just just being relaxed i don't know what it is but i often find when i'm just going on a walk or something like that or walking quickly things just start will start to flow a little bit better just creatively and not so much in, in a technical way and what i what I try to do is capture uh, the, the things that are sent down from uh, wherever music is in, into my mind. So wherever the music is, it gets sent down because I'm open to it and open to receiving it. And then I try to sing it and record it or try to remember it and write it down as some sort of conceptual idea. So, but usually it's something will come down, it'll go, come into my brain and then I'll, I'll grab some sort of recording device and sing it in, into, into that. And then I go back and try and transcribe it. And it usually will, will end up being a, a song or a part of a song or a rhythm, you know, some kind of drum part or, you know, it could be any number of things. It just depends on what's, flying around out there and wants to come down into my uh my open open mind 
at the moment. Mm, I like that. I, so you, would you kind of consider yourself more of a, uh, like less, I mean, how do I say it? I guess it's like, you know, there's, there's the people, um, the folks that would kind of feel like, ah, I am, I am the source of creation and that I, uh, what, you know, I'm the one putting things in motion. I'm hitting the strings and I'm the one with the ideas and this is my melodic content. And, uh, and I know where it comes from because it starts with me. And I think that there's a, a certain amount of, if not, maybe that, maybe that's kind of a predominant way of seeing it because of the way we've shaped our, our kind of laws and, and mm -hmm. copyrights and stuff like that around uh, creative material. But uh, then I, I I hear the other side, which I, it sounds like you're coming from this other side of like, oh, I, I'm, 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 a kind of a conduit more more so for an idea that wants to to live and present itself. And I'm not sure where it's coming from, but I'm if I stay open enough, then I'm able to hear it and I'm able to uh, kind of translate it into uh, the this language that I, I've been working with. Is that more? Definitely, definitely, because I, you know, you don't really know where that comes from. Um, it, it's hard to say because those are very abstract, you know, thoughts in a, in a way. And I, I'm not sure that we can verbalize certain types of energy or certain types of uh, uh, states of being. It's hard to, to actually talk about it, but. Um, you know, and I, you could call this practicing, you know, your friend, you said, asked, you know, how I mentally practice. I, it's, it's like just being open and relaxed and letting the music happen. And, but it's hard to say where it comes from. I mean, does it, does it come from your memory? I kind of thought about this. Does it come from your musical memory? You know, and then you're recalling things that you've heard before that are somehow coming in, in, in a, in a different order than you heard them could be that yeah it could it be something you're coming up with on your own i don't know about that you know what i mean that's that's hard to imagine that a that a brain could could come up with something completely unique without any type of input mm. so maybe maybe you're accessing your memory and your memory is creatively putting things together in in just an organic fashion something that's new to you and you're accepting it and you're like, wow, I love that, you know, and, and then you're making it into something like a piece that you play on your guitar. I don't know. It's a really interesting conversation and consideration to, uh, to be had. I, I like this type of thought uh, experiments just because uh, I think also it's, it, it can't, it's, it seems parallel or uh, somehow related in the way we speak right? in, in conversation, in, in dialogue, right? Because uh, we, to the, the, the symbols and the words become tools uh, to express something that is otherwise unspeakable, right? Like I, I how, do, how am I supposed to communicate to you um, that it's cold? Well, we could play charades, right? Like, in, <laughs> like I can, whatever, these basic simple things. But uh, I think that's what maybe part of the, the absolute enduring magic of music mm. is that especially instrumental music because it's like most instrumental music takes on the vibe of like music for music's sake because i'm not trying to implant words necessarily mm -hmm. into your head i'm 
I'm communicating a, a feeling, an emotion uh, that is outside of uh, the confines uh, of, of the verbal uh, conundrum that we find ourselves in. As you were saying, you're alluding to it's, we, it's hard to speak to things efficiently that are outside of that realm. And mm -hmm. quite literally, you know, music is at its core kind of outside the realm of fully being able to be boxed in or, you know, labeled and said, this is, this is what it is. This is how it is. We have a lot of ideas about it. We have a lot of theories about it, Yes, <laughs> but we know we enjoy it. Right. And, and there's something about it that is catching. Like mm. you, you show, you, you produce, you know, through all, through all the kind of like being around music, other music, uh, and musicians and, and then, uh, kind of, studying the form it's almost like a byproduct that you have to kind of uh, uh, find your own expression to mm -hmm. kind of either give back or express how you how that's made you feel right i mean I, I, that's kind of the common thing that i hear from musicians like oh i got inspired because all the, these top five guitar players these top five bands or whatever made me pick it up and then it then it's that process, that journey of, well, what do I have to say? Yeah. 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 I think it's that initial feeling that you get when you hear, you hear it, that makes you, that, that makes you do it. it. It wouldn't be any other reason for me. It was, it wouldn't, you know, it wasn't to be cool or to do this or to do, to do that. It's like when, when I first heard music, it was one of the, one of the things in life that um, actually kind of got, in, in into my mind as something almost spiritual or uh, yeah just something that you could not explain <laughs> but it makes you feel a certain way and it makes you happy you know and it makes you feel good you know and so why 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 would you not want that in your life you know <laughs> absolutely <laughs> do you do you consider yourself a spiritual person at all uh, depends. Uh, I, I mean, well, it, not in any kind of organized way. No, I wouldn't say I'm this or I'm that, but, uh, I would say probably with, with music on a, on a, on a good day or something like that. Yes, I think that, but that's probably the thing that brings me there. Hmm. So there's not like you weren't, were you, were you raised with any type of religion or anything like that? Uh, just a little bit, you know, we, uh, just a little bit and, and, but my parents didn't really push it. We just, and after a while it kind of faded off and it wasn't really a thing for us. Somehow I think that that's, I think that's, uh, I mean, cause I, I was raised, uh, very Christian. Um, but I find it, um, I find it interesting when, 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 a lot of my guests didn't have that because I'm like, I'm like, wow, what was that like? Like to be in a household where you weren't doing that, where it was just kind of like open, like go. I mean, I, I still had plenty of freedom to, to explore um, philosophically in my life, but it was always kind of like uh, more under the guise of that. So I, I'm just always colored a little bit because of that, even though mm -hmm. I, I, I don't necessarily identify as a Christian as per se. Um, you know, through my yoga studies and all these other things uh, coming back to me, like as I've gotten older, I've just felt more sensitive to subtle energies and sensitive to kind of uh, synchronistic happenings in the world between friends and event things and events. And uh, 
And so uh, it's interesting that, that for a while I had to get away from the feeling of being boxed in around Christianity or religious, uh, you know, uh, like happenings, uh, you know, just the, the regular like church and this and that. And then all these years later, I felt like, oh man, like I really, I don't know if it's because I was er, pro, kind of programmed early on for some of this stuff. Like you said, like you hear something and then you're like, I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm writing this music or this melody is coming from, from, from me now, or if it's really a conglomerate of the things that have been said or, or, or you know, I've been shown and it's kind of like a, a super conscious or unconscious assembling, you know, uh, making order out of the chaos in front of me a little bit, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's that element, but I, I feel, I feel very spiritual in myself. Uh, I kind of have always, even though I've kind of denied it a little bit through the years, but now more so through music, more so through, through yoga and through relationship, like just mm -hmm. through, through relating with people in a genuine, sincere way. I'm like, I start to have these little pockets and like kind of feelings of like, Oh, there's like something else going on here. You know, maybe this is the reason why I'm here. I feel like more grounded when I, when I connect with people and. Right. And you, you have that, that sensitivity to that. So you can, when it, when you start feeling that that's happening, you, you can really get in there. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. When I, th and, and it's been pointed out to me by different spiritual teachers along yeah. the way that they're like, uh, cause I hear these questions that, uh, that, uh, like a crowd or, uh, somebody will ask a uh, kind of a, a spiritual teacher of some kind, you know, it could be yoga teacher or whatever, but, and oftentimes the answer that I hear back is like, you know, like, what's the meaning of life? Like, how can you, can you point towards like the thing, you know? And, uh, and it's like, well, uh, like life is the meaning of life. Like this moment now is the thing and your relationship to this moment is maybe the most important relationship. Uh, so that may be a person in front of you, you know, that may be uh, a situation at hand. It may be all these things. And through, through constantly remembering and reorganizing, re reorienting myself towards the now that that has become like a spiritual thing in itself. Like, yeah. and that translates to playing music too because it's always that music that you're playing is always happening now it's always like this with this breath with this heartbeat and uh and it's a little it's a little different each time i come back to it even though it feels similar and i'm like ah, oh, i love to jam this thing but it's a little different today it's a little bit different and that that there's something because it's not uh you know so hard and fast and and like super definable uh there's a it's kind of whimsical and passing each each time you play through a a song or a phrase or something and it's just that micro little bit different which i'm really a fan of actually the more i've i study this kind of thought process right how, how would you do, you do you feel similar and do you would you say that you kind of apply uh some sort of thinking or feeling around like improvisation and like showing up in the now in that way? I think it's the main, the main goal uh, because when, you know, you're improvising and you're not thinking about the past and you're not thinking about the future because those two things while you're improvising can, or just doing anything in general can usually 
cause problems with music making. You know, they can just they can create some sort of uh, like stress on your mind. You know, if you're thinking about what's going to happen or if you think about what happened somehow. So it seems like the main goal as a player is to is to center that and try to be more more in the now. But that's like the I. You know, I think that's the biggest challenge uh, for me uh, is is being able to 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 be there. You know what I mean? I think I'm there on my best nights playing or my best moments. You know, when they, when I say best, I mean when I feel everything's in sync and flowing, and there's no, you know, it's not there's nothing technical happening. You're just kind of flowing and doing it. And usually, when you listen back to those moments, they always sound they sound good. You know what I mean? Because it's just really happening. Because it's usually nothing, nothing in the past and nothing in the future is 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 available at the moment. It's just the now. But you know, I I, I got to say that's uh, that doesn't happen every day for me. Sure, that's probably why you know things like yoga. It's it's you know it's considered a discipline. I you know in a way, <laughs> you know you have to study it right, and you have to be there, and you have to show up every day to practice it. Because if you don't, it, you know, I think it's. Well, you might have a different experience, but it's it's maybe not uh, the easiest thing to get into if you don't practice it. Yeah, I yeah. I would actually, I think that you're onto something there for sure. And I think that uh, reminding ourselves that whatever the discipline, whatever the the form that you are practicing, uh, it is that it's that it's a practice. Hmm. Right? So so to be. Uh, like for myself, I've had to learn a lot of like kind of small uh, personal forgiveness oh. around around like not getting something right or not getting something quick enough um, that I have like as a goal or um, or you know I come home one day and it's it's usually this is the thing like the the, the kind of the flow state that we're kind of like a, pointing at like because. Mm in your best nights, you probably feel like, ah, oh, I was in the flow. I was in the yeah. zone, right? Like I, I wasn't thinking about um, the thing that just happened before the set or the, or, or what's still nagging me. And I wasn't concerned with uh, how this was going to turn out or how I was going to end this phrase or how I looked when I, when I, when I did that one thing and I moved my, I wasn't worried about my appearance, but I was, what I was uh, interested in and was able to do was show up. I just showed up and, and I greeted each moment as it came. And wow, uh, even if it's just for a moment through a song or a passage uh, or a, mo a, few, a few songs through a set or any of these things, I think that uh, as wonderful as it is to achieve and experience that flow state, that it's not necessarily promised to you. Mm -hmm. it, it, and it's kind of like this interesting Zen like koan uh like riddle so to speak in the sense that uh you're just like in, in yoga they say practice and all is coming it's one of the kind of the famous quotes right like don't you're not entitled to the fruits of your of your work or your practice necessarily but if you're always practicing and you're all and you always come as fresh as you can uh that those that those rewards are you know um will show up uh and you can't you can't you can't schedule it in say oh 12 o'clock i'm going to get in the flow state right you know that's not that's not what's available to you but what what is available is that 12 o'clock you can begin your practice right. and and you can show up and do your best to 
uh, reorient your your brain away from future, away from past, into the now. And so um, that's what meditation primarily serves uh, serves us in that way is to to to, to like a lot most most meditations have to do with the breath and they're interested in bringing your awareness away from that future past future past future past into experiencing reality now mm-hmm. in the body through a function that you can very clearly uh observe right so noticing the breath move into the body and out of the body the body's living now right now all the time it's never living future it's never living past that doesn't the body can't do it yeah so so in that uh we we kind of hone and practice and it's not a it's not a perfect right we don't call it a perfect we call it a practice mm. so i think in the, in that way if 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 we learn how to kind of like position it right in our in our our mind's eye and 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 what it is that we're up to then it's just like oh i i just put my head down and i and i and i do the thing and um the, the the rewards will show up on their on their own i don't have to like necessarily seek something in particular although you can have favor for it and say i will i will s- send my practice in this direction and i will try to set the scene so that this eventually happens but you, you kind of almost kind of have to have an open hand with it more so than the tight grip i think i like what you said about uh how you're not entitled to it. Um, it. It will show up perhaps once you've done enough practice, right? Mm-hmm. That really speaks to me because, you know, sometimes um, anything like this, it, it just requires time and it requires you to put in the work and the, uh, you know, and, and your energy into it. And, and it, it doesn't maybe come the first time and it doesn't maybe come the hundredth time, you know, it, it, it will come. <laughs> It will. Yeah, ten, they say what ten thousand hours doing something that uh, you you know after ten thousand hours you potentially are at like a professional or reached a journeyman level or this or that you know. Um, but I also think that like if you if you start counting the hours, <laughs> like you're in trouble. Yeah. Like I think you know, and I think that, uh, and and I think this is also pervasive too, like in the business of music, right? Like if, if you start setting like premature, like hard and fast goals for your, for your musical career and say, mm. ah, you know what? I'm this age. And so-and-so was this age when he did such and such and this comparison game. And, you know, uh, we've got to get out there and we've got to do the thing and, and achieve such and such by, by this time. Um, I think that it's unnecessary stress on bands and musical projects when we set these kind of um, not only not necessarily unrealistic, but like I kind of it's kind of like fake fa- or false timelines, so to speak, mm. you know, for for oneself, right? Definitely. Because, and, and I and I noticed and I noticed this for myself. Like it's just I've done a lot of stressing out in bands in the past where we're like we've got to be rehearsed for this gig and do this and write the meeting. The album's got to be done by the, and I just like those statements all make me cringe. You know, yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, no, you know, like why we're doing, don't, don't let's go back to doing it. Cause we love to do it and get joy out of the thing 
And if we get super joyful while doing the thing, won't that actually, and this is my hippie side, right? Like, it's like <laughs> what, 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 won't the, uh, the joy that we're expressing just like draw the thing to us, you know? And I think, and I, and I actually believe that it will. It doesn't mean that you don't try or don't favor the goals or the things, the aspirations that you're looking for, but it's, it's really more so about uh, kind of having that, that open quality that you spoke about when you're writing. It's like, I don't know, I'm op- I took a walk and I, and I, and I kind of cleared the slate and, or I went and worked out or I did something that allowed me to, to stay open, not clenched around the idea or the, the goal. Because when you're in that open state, then you can receive transmissions, so to speak, right? Absolutely. Yeah, sometimes when we try too hard to, to I mean, I'm all for goals and everything because, you know, they, they help you kind of like structure what you're, you're doing. But sometimes um, things just are, you know, are going to happen when, when they're, they're ready to happen in, in, in your, your life, you know what I mean? And sometimes we get disappointed maybe when we expect that that, milestone in our career is supposed to happen like right now and we expect that because of these timelines that we've set up and they're they're not there right and Mm. or you know I've been asked I get asked the question actually a lot um you know how did you meet this person or how did you get this endorsement or how did you do this or how did you put out you know what I mean or how did you get that gig or some some you know you know people ask those kind of questions and um, my answer is always, you know, those things just happen organically when, when they're actually ready to happen, I think. Um, and you have to have, you know, the skills kind of, the skills have to be there. And, you know, of course you have to be involved with certain people for certain things to happen. But I think, uh, I think things are going to happen if you just work hard and you do it because for the right reasons, you know, you, you, you pursue your career because you love what you're doing. Like you were saying earlier, why can't we just do this because we love it? You know, if you just do it for that reason and you do it a lot and you work really hard, but that's the, that's the main thing that drives you. It seems that these types of things fall into place kind of naturally. And without, you know, banging on people's doors and, you know, you know, things like that. It just, stuff happens naturally. Um, That's, that, that was a big thing. I think it's a big thing to learn, you know, and I think, I think it's good for people to maybe hear that, you know, I like to tell my students that at Berkeley anyway, you know, stuff's going to happen, you know, but you got to put in the work and you can't expect it to happen in the exact moment that you want it because if it doesn't happen in the exact moment that you want it maybe you need to 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 adjust some things <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's a really good advice and I, I i get a similar set of questions as an artist relations guy of course right they're like how so you know what's the best way to to write you a letter to ask you to like consider me for the Kiesel artist team or you know previously Jim Dunlop or EMG or whatever these different yeah. types of things and that has been uh, uh, an ongoing evolving question but it, it tends to be answered in a, in a similar fashion that like you'll know when you're ready because uh, it's time to hit the road and you don't have enough of the gear and you have a lot of people, you know, like there's different possible stages where it's going to be obvious 
where what needs to happen. And um, I, I'm a fan of this concept of uh, arriving at decisions most of the time versus making decisions, hmm. right? Like, so the concept, like when you make a decision, you're choosing between this and that. You're like, oh, I, I've waited out and like, this is the, the least amount of suffering or the quickest path or whatever. And you kind of make a, a intellectual uh, discernment like um, this versus that. When we arrive at a decision, uh, it's like, it's, it's kind of, it, you're, it's, it speaks to that organic process that you're mentioning and putting out there that like, uh, that, well, I'll, oh, I've, I've done this work. I've, I've continued to uh, stay true to the cause and to the reasons. And then something comes up, Hey, do you want to play open up the show for so-and-so? Yeah. Well, well, yeah, I would love to that. What a wonderful thing for that, to, you know, and you, and, and things that are right, you didn't have to go out and beat that person's door down. Right. Right. You just did the thing. And then eventually you're noticed. And I think, I, I know it's not a hundred percent, but I think it's, it's kind of a lot of like how you hold it in your heart, like how you hold it in your mind, like what's your re real intention. And you may speak the words that, like, you know, I'm doing this because I love to do it. But if you find yourself then uh, shortly after that, kind of in a state of suffering because something didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen, then there, then there's some element within you that isn't in full alignment with that statement. I do it because I love to do it. And it's okay. Both can be true. You can do it because you love to do it and you want to look cool. All right. You're like, mm -hmm. that's my case. Like I, 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 I found guitar and I was like, man, that feel that feels really good, but it also makes me feel like, and I want to look cool. I want the girls mm -hmm. to like me. I want the thing, you know, I want to be respected and whatever, but it was feeling first, thankfully, you know, mm -hmm. and kind of ego second. Um, but yeah, I think that's, a, it's a really, uh, interesting way to like kind of approach it too because it's 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 these, these are guitar lessons for uh for folks that um of all stages because it, even be beginners might hear what we're ha having to kind of like uh talk through here now and really start to like take the right path so to speak and and be a little more relaxed around their approach because it's like it's not a it's not a, a totally passive way of being but it's not a totally aggressive or, 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 or fully active way of being either because uh, I think things will oftentimes kind of work themselves out a little bit. If you just kind of, okay, you know, I want to, I want to let, I want to let everybody know that I favor things going this direction. Yes. If they don't, then maybe it's not right time for me. And, and just keep, just keep working and keep at it and keep doing it for the right reasons. And th things usually go the way they're supposed to go. Usually, not all, not always, you know, there's other circumstances, but things usually go, you know, in the general right direction. If it's, if it's approached that way, usually. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, 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 I totally echo that, that whole sentiment because, uh, and I've, I've noticed just on a personal level, when I, when I do, the times when I have been like kind of like steadfast and like, Oh, this has got to happen. It needs to happen by this day and time. I, I get into such a, a state of personal suffering and anguish <laughs> around it that like, that's now my deterrent from it, you know, because <laughs> I've, Oh, I've been there. How many times? Like, I'm just going to get angry. I'm going to be mad, <laughs> be mad about I'm like, and it, like why, who wants to be mad and angry? Like I, I yeah. definitely don't. Yeah. 
Um, what's a, so again, I, I think we talked about it, um, or I mentioned it in the, in, the, in our, in our kind of uh, false start, but how, <laughs> how, how long have, did you, so you, you personally went to Berkeley and then became a teacher or did, or how did that work out? So I, I actually didn't go to Berkeley. I never went to Berkeley. I went to, um, I grew up in Michigan and then I ended up uh, going to North Texas, University of North Texas, which is mainly a, like a jazz school. It's like, it's actually a state university in Texas, but they have this really great school, um, you know, music school within the university. And some of my friends were down there and um, I just went down to visit with my, with my dad and we really liked it. And it was just, it was just kind of a great vibe down there. So I ended up going to school down there then I moved to to France for a year to Paris after that, and then oh. ended up uh, just playing some gigs and doing that thing, and then came back and did a master's degree at New England Conservatory, which is in Boston. Then shortly after that, um, I got the gig at Berkeley, um, and you know that's that's when I met Mick Goodrick and started the whole relationship with him, and we wrote a book together, and we're playing lots of gigs together, and he was uh, a big mentor to me as well. So um, that that's been a real, really great thing. Just being at Berkeley and being around Mick and being around all those incredible musicians there, uh, it's been a really fantastic thing for me. I love it. Mm, that's good. That's a good outline for showing. Uh, talking about like work you know you putting in the work and then like eventually a thing shows up right and you you were it's the right time right place it sounds like with Mick yeah with Mick I mean it was like I was always just a big fan you know of course he you know I mean just like we were talking that stuff earlier it was it was always just like wow Mick Goodrick I love Mick Goodrick I use his books go you know and then we met and um you know then suddenly we were teaching at the same school and then through, you, you know, just things happen naturally. We started playing together. Then we started gigging together in this quartet. And then he asked me to write a book with him. And these things happen just kind of naturally. Um, but it's definitely something I'm really grateful for being, you know, having the chance to, again, work with someone who uh, I admire so much musically and get so much inspiration from that. That's been really cool being around mm. him. <laughs> I can only imagine, man. <laughs> yeah. He's the guru, man. I mean, he's the, he's the, he's the, the jazz guitar harmony guru. You know, he and Ted Green, you know, in my opinion, those two guys. Um, so getting a chance to, to really work a lot with Mick and play with him and hang out with him and just, just absorb you know, absor absorb um, just life and information from a master has been has been life altering for me. And hopefully some of the things that I've learned and gotten from him, I can, you know, uh, synthesize and then pass on to others. That's that's my hope. Mm, good word, synthesize. That makes me want to pivot and ask you, uh, how do you feel about uh, synthesizers and jazz? fusion music well i i'm i'm to me it's uh every instrument is can potentially have its role at any moment uh so that that all just depends on what you're hearing personally personally if 
guitar synthesis was in a little bit better uh, state of being like it, like if in other words like if guitar synth pickups tracked better and if i could um use a guitar to control a synthesizer in with the same amount of dynamics and control that i can with a guitar i'd probably play mostly synthesizer wow really yeah, because I, I tend to like the sound of a synth in certain ways more than I like the sound of just a raw guitar anyway. So, yeah, I'd probably be playing some kind of crazy synth guitar, you know, that could blend all these timbres together. If mm. one existed, that would, I would be all over that, man. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I, I don't mm. know for sure, but I know, I know what Pat... Pat Metheny uh, uses yeah. some, some some of that stuff, and like Al yeah. D uses some of that stuff. But it's yeah. usually like a blend, right? Like it's not like a they don't yeah. do a lot of standalone synth playing. Yeah, I mean, I would love to do that, but the technology is. Uh, this is just one of those situations where the technology is not there, and it just doesn't exist. You can't, you know, you can't control a synthesizer with a guitar string in the same way that you could with a keyboard. It just doesn't work. Right, Unfortunately, right. it's really a sad thing because in a, in a way, a lot of my main, you know, we've been talking about guitar players, but probably the majority of my influences are, are other instruments, you know, like Keith mm -hmm. Jarrett and, and Chick Corea and, you know, the, all these great piano players, um, probably more so than any of the guitar players. So I, in, in a lot of ways, a lot of the things I hear in my head are very much um, pian pianistic type things and other instruments violin you know saxophone those kinds of things that i imagine in my head so i really wish that i the synthesizers worked better <laughs> well maybe someday they'll, they'll catch up i mean i i like that that you draw inspiration from the other instruments though uh i've noticed that i've noticed that maybe more so in in jazz or you know jazz voiced uh musicians that they that they tend to like once they kind of get in and they get the vibe that they're like oh they end up like I've, I've known a few guitar players that are just really into listening to horn players yeah like just really like the phrasing of it and the kind of the bebop thing and like they try to kind of go after that mm -hmm. and, it, and then it influences their playing um in this unique way that if they were only listening to guitar players uh then they would never they would never have found that way of expressing um themselves you know on this instrument so i, I love the cross pollination or vice versa where i know uh you know like the snarky puppy uh porn players like not only do they use um like uh like guitar effects on their horns and stuff but they're but they're like literally influenced by guitar and bass players and kind of back and forth you know and that seems to help create unique voicings and unique sounds Definitely. I mean, the guitar thing for me is almost in some ways a thing of, of the past for my life. Um, uh, you know, because we talked about all the influences and all the people that I love and all those things. But guitar as an instrument uh, now is, is uh, you know, I mean, I like guitar, but uh, in, in some ways I want I I, I want to make it sound like other things <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough <laughs> am i am i am i am i hearing you kind of say like uh, that you're maybe uh more interested in the overall compositional qualities of your music versus just being a guitar player and that being the, the yeah i just of it? 
Yeah, because guitar is a much. I, I love guitar, of course. I actually love the timbre of the guitar, but I'm starting to blend a lot of things these days with like acoustic sounds and electric sounds and some synth kind of aspects and and definitely um, trying to get it closer to the things that I hear. That sort of wannabe synth player of wanting to blend a bunch of things together to get different tones. So now, now guitar is you know, and it has been this way for a while. Is, a little bit more of just a, like a tool and I'm trying to just make that use that tool to kind of craft these things that I'm imagining so it's uh I'm very happy that I play the guitar though because the guitar is monophonic it's polyphonic it's extremely expressive it allows for vibrato or no vibrato it's extremely mm -hmm. dynamic and it can access lot of different tones. So I'm happy I play guitar, but I'm definitely trying to kind of push past it a little bit in terms of its sound. Yeah, well, there's got to be, I think you're probably working towards, uh, I mean, when, anytime you can get objective around like the, the thing that you're maybe the closest to, uh, I think it can help uh, expand your horizons, right? Because like you're, again, it's about trying to come in contact with reality of, the, the, of your situation and accept things as they are. And you are, you're definitely, you're stating all, oh, these are all the benefits. This is great, but I've been here for a while, been yeah. doing this thing and I'm interested in seeing what is possible past these kind of simpler parameters that I've accepted for so long. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's definitely where I'm headed. And there's going to, hopefully like you mentioned synthesis hopefully i'm going to be able to you know incorporate that into my playing even more as things go on cool yeah well uh before we wrap things up i want to ask you what you have uh what are some of your favorite things you've been listening to recently or if if, if there's any like players that you think that maybe not enough people know about or bands or projects that you might want to shout out shout outs um I think of what I've been listening to, uh, probably the, the person that I listen to the most is two. The, probably the two people that I listen to the most are the, uh, Keith Jarrett and uh, Chick Corea. Of the musicians that I kind of just go to, you know, if I just want to listen to some music, it's, it's, it's a lot of the times it's Keith or Chick, um, both piano players. So, so they're kind of the the top for me in terms of improvised music and the way that they play chords and you know the the way they play I love those two um you know I also love Michael Brecker too I have to say and and John Coltrane um as as uh just kind of the pinnacle of the single the 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 the, the, the linear expression of music uh, those guys um now, in terms of like other players, I like listening to my friends too. Hmm. Like um, this is guitar player named uh, Nelson Veras that I, who lives in France. He's a Brazilian uh, gentleman who's just this unbelievable guitar player. Um, and then you know my buddies like Pliny. You mentioned you know you know mm -hmm. he's a good buddy of mine, and I really love the way he plays. Same. And the, the reason I love the way he plays, well, there's a lot of things because I think he's a great composer. Um, and there's a lot of things to, to really dig, but the way he picks, like we were talking earlier and he gets dynamics out of the instrument is very, very nice to me. So dig him and, um, who else? Uh, 
but he's well known. Yes, for people who were not well known. Uh, oh, any 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 players? Just just like what what's your what's your vibe? I mean, be anybody. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, you know, uh, a, a guy who plays Kiesel along with me, Alex Sill, sounds awesome. He's great. Recently checked him out um, live. He sounded awesome. Um, oh, I'm, the problem with the, naming younger players is that I'm going to leave someone out that I really like. <laughs> and then it's, <laughs> I know, I know but, that feeling. No worries. No, but, you know, just trying to, to shout people out that I think that, that are great. Um, uh, James Muller, who lives in Australia, is an incredible guitar player. Um, hmm. um, but then, then there's the then, then that's guitar. But I mean, it's like Nate Wood, the drummer. Uh, I love, love, love him. There's Evan Marion, who often plays in my band. Um, Sam Manai, uh, Santiago Bosch, who's this incredible keyboard player who plays. So a lot of the people that I'm listening to are just my friends who I like to play with. So there's like the past, you know, influences, but then there's the people you just hang out with. And oh, I love yeah. that. I love that yeah. because it's it is uh, it's it's one of the things that I actually. Uh, I kind of miss about being in a band uh, and kind of like be at, being out and gigging and playing shows with a with local community on a regular basis yeah. is that you, you get turned on to all these local hidden gems mm -hmm. of, of players and, and projects that um, when like for me being constantly focused on the biggest players and uh, who's gone what big tour and like can yeah. i get out there and well you know all this kind of hobnobbery that uh, uh my job kind <laughs> of, uh, asked me to do which yeah. i'm super fortunate and and happy to do but yeah. it it takes my focus away from from that and i back in the day there was like i was mostly playing uh, in bands in seattle um during the the, the 2000, early 2000s and um and just like you end up going to a gig like i don't know we got a gig with some random band named this you know blah 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 and then we go to the show and we're like wait who are where did you guys even come from and they're like oh we just started like six months ago and this is only our second gig and you're just like oh you you catch these people uh and 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 groups and then and then are like hey well let's book some gigs together like you know yeah yeah let's book it and then, then you start uh, aligning and then next thing you know like hey you want to like do a as a gig or a song together outside of all this, you know, and these things happen. And the, the kind of, I mean, it's, it's strange to call things local communities in a weird way because we're so worldwide now, but your circle, you're, you're, you're saying that you really like draw inspiration and like to listen to your circle. Yeah. Just people who are around who are great and they, they don't have to be well known. They don't have to be, you know, they can be, they don't have, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm just listening to the sound, you know, and I'm just yeah. listening to the sort of the way they play and the way, you know, so it could be just anything around me. That's, you know, it could be like someone at Berkeley, a student who's playing some amazing thing. I had this, I had this student recently that is keyboard player that just composed this unbelievable thing with these unbelievable voicings. He's not well known or anything like that. He's just this, kid who's like composing this amazing stuff you know on the keyboard and i can get i can get inspiration out of that he's a fellow scientist you know it's just yeah. you know it's people are coming up with stuff all the time you know and i'm, I'm just kind of keyed into it and sensitive to to it you know i dig it yeah well tim i really appreciate your time today man i'm gonna uh cut it off here i gotta um get prepped for the next one but i just want to say thank you so much for taking the time and, and chopping it up with me 
And uh, I hope uh, things, you know, uh, in in their own time, in their own way, are kind of come normalize a little bit. We uh, are able to go out and do our things and uh, and cross paths in in real life uh, again. Before for sure, <laughs> for sure. Let's let's hope that happens real soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm holding out for all of that. Yeah. And uh, and I'm I'm holding out for your your health and well being and as well as your family too. So well, you too, you too, sincerely, man. Yeah. <laughs>